Welcome to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Uh, just hanging out here. Uh, we had kind of a dark week, I guess, but we're back. I suppose if you're listening to this in order. Yeah, we got uh, busy busy with some like life things again, which is unfortunate, but it is. More, it is. I, I mean, I was doing some car stuff, too, so at least at least I have stuff to update on. So I, I do as well, actually, for the first time in like three episodes. I seem episodes, to so hustle more with car stuff like September traditionally seems like a time I get a lot of car stuff done for whatever reason. I don't know why. Yeah, probably because you're like, oh, my God, the season's almost over. And I said I was going to do yeah. this and I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> I also want to welcome any new listeners. Maybe we have new listeners. I don't know. Um, probably. Yeah. A couple. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, anybody that hasn't, please rate and review the podcast on your prospective podcast apps. That uh, helps us move up the rankings. Perspective? Like they're not quite podcast apps yet? Uh, probably preferred. Preferred podcast apps. It's tired, and maybe I said that I I'm too lazy to look that up. I think okay. I said that correct, but we'll figure it out later. We'll we'll, we'll we'll add that to corrections next week. But whatever, go go to your podcast apps and uh, rate and review our banter about where you should be rating and reviewing podcast apps. Yeah. and let us know, and we'll ship you some stickers or something. So. So what's new, Andrew? What's good? What's uh, what's going on? I know you said you've been working on some stuff. I've been working on some stuff. We have some stuff to talk about, some events we've both done and been Yeah, to. I guess we'll get right into and, uh, Project Car Updates then, right? Might as well. Sure, why not? I mean, uh, I don't think there's any... I haven't watched any automotive stuff. Oh, you know what? I did, and I don't think we talked about it. I watched the first episode of um, Musto and Alana Shear's show... Oh my God! Road, Road to improvement. improvement. That's what it is. Yep, yep. It was uh, entertaining, actually. I I enjoyed it. I I like both of them, um, and I like the whole process of doing it the way they're doing it because I have kind of had a similar thought process in my brain in the past. But obviously, I lack the backing and funds to do it that they have. So it's neat that they got to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool show. YouTube um, by um, Hemmings. So go check it out. Yeah, they buy an old forestry service suburban that's uh, basically bone stock and they drive it from location to location and improve it along their 4,000 mile road trip around the country. So it's a uh, it's like every car guy's dream trip, pretty much. Right. Like just go out and drive a car from specialty shop to specialty shop, adding new cool parts. along. Yeah, the way. I, I watched the first episode. I think there's like three or four out now. So I, I watched like the first one that came out and then I was like, well, I'll wait a little bit. So. Now there's got more out. I'll catch right. up and watch them in a row. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was. I've only also seen the first episode, but I was fully entertained. So I'm into it. I'll, I'll keep watching it. Yeah, and I I know Schumacher documentary is on Netflix now. To check that out, that should be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else for like car content stuff i haven't been watching much honestly I, I i'm even behind on stuff that i normally watch like roadkill and whatnot so i i've been man it's sometimes it's tough being an adult right because you want to do nothing but car stuff all the time but then you realize i don't watch a lot of car stuff you can't i've said this before i don't yeah i 
I do, but sometimes you just can't because you have too much stuff going yeah, on. No, but like instead at night, I uh, the last couple of weeks I caught up with the Mandalorian, so watching that instead, a little, little different. Yeah, I've never seen that. So little, uh, escapism. So Project Carpe, uh, what do you got? Yeah, the so the G twenty, so the rear, the left rear brake was not working, like not like not clamping at all under. The parking brake would work, but so, not the foot brake. So this is adding to all of the braking issues you've had with the car since day one. Yeah. So the right rear was seized when I got it. And apparently the left rear was not you doing anything at all. So, um, and then, uh, so then come to find out, uh, and I'll get to it. Um, all right. Let me start here. I thought it was the brake bias uh, valve. Uh, can't find one. I'm like, well, for my own sanity, I better double check that this rear soft line is not collapsed. So I took it off and immediately I took it off. The hard line started dripping and I was like, well, when in my hand, I pushed the pedal a little bit and it just blasted brake fluid out of it. <laughs> well, it's definitely not there. So then I took the, I tried to compress the caliper and I had the bleeder screw closed, but you know, the soft line is not connected. And it's one with the parking brake in there. So you got to turn it and push at the same time. Um, it wouldn't collapse. And I was like, what is going on here? This caliper's new. Uh, this is weird. Oh, so that's the other thing. So what I did first, I um, took the inside brake pad out and put the caliper back on and then pumped the brake to try to make sure the piston was coming out. It was so hard to push to get it to come out. Um. So that's why it was out. So I'm trying to push it back in. I'm like, all right, so let me open the bleeder. So I open the bleeder and yeah, that let me collapse it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. It should have just blown back through the line. So I took the line off, um, took my compressed air and it would not blow any compressed air through it. Like I finally got a little bit to go like it at first I did and just like, blue fluid back towards me like i didn't have it facing my face but it was like and then it went through but like real weak i'm like well i've heard of this but i've never actually seen it or experienced where you've had a rear like a soft line actually collapse on the inside so that was interesting okay so so it looks fine from the outside but inside was just all eaten away and collapsed somehow yeah it was just clogged Huh. Something in there, either it collapsed or it's clogged or it's just not letting enough fluid through. That's weird. So I looked for a set of braided lines. I can't find any right now. Um, Goodrich doesn't have them. Like nobody has them. I was like, well, and I looked in Rock Auto and they do have the soft lines. They're like 10 bucks a piece. I got two, one for each rear because they're identical. Just to make sure you might as well make them even. Because the fronts uh, bled fine. Um, I should probably eventually change the fronts. Well, you got to figure they're all about the same yeah. age. So if something's wrong with one of them, you might as well replace But them. I was like, I might as well hold out until I can get some braided lines. Because braided lines do feel a lot better um, when you use them. Uh, my, my other cars have braided lines. Talon and the Galant. I'll figure that out. I think I can get some from uh, JDM Land. 
So anyway, swap those out. The rear brakes now work. Uh, the car stops in a straight line. And uh, I thought for sure that that ABS issue would be because that caliper was not closing at all and grabbing that rotor. Right. Because the ABS issue has been the issue since day one. Yeah. Now, you remember when you drove it, you'd come to a stop. And I mean, you'd be going like super slow, like five miles an hour, come to a stop at a, a red light and you felt the ABS pump going. Yep. It, it would activate. Does, not all the time, yeah, but no, it doesn't do that at all now. Like that is gone. I can drive it sometimes quite a ways. Light doesn't come on. Sometimes it comes on right away. I've reset it. Comes back on. So the sensor is just, I don't know, chicken or the egg. If it just, it got messed up because it was not working right for so long or it was always failed. It's just multiple issues that was happening where there was a seize caliper, yeah, a I don't, caliper that was open. I don't see how one... I don't see how one could cause the other. I Yeah. And then the other side just works just fine. It's only that one side that the sensor's yeah. bad, but it tests correctly on the, um, for resistance. Um, the one thing my dad keeps reminding me we got to do is just swap the two and see if it travels to the other side. I just haven't done it yet. Um, otherwise I'll probably live with it for right now. I'll probably do it next spring. It's just like, whatever. The light's probably gonna burn out because it just stays on. <laughs> and again, everything seems to work now. It doesn't activate the ABS for no. no reason. It doesn't, and it stops straight. So, yeah. So what? So that yeah, and then come to find Next. out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So doing research, Moto IQ, which used to be Sport Compact Car, um, now they're their blog. Yep. They're like super super car tech nerds. They've always loved SR20 cars. They've got a G20 race car and they've got a whole series on online. And they talked about stripping it out, taking out the ABS, uh, doing the brakes, putting a Willwood bias adjuster and stuff, which I'm not going to do any of that because I don't want to make a full race car out of it. Right. Um, but they did mention that the rear bias is like almost non existent on the car, like from the factory. They were like, yeah, it seemed like Infinity never wanted to replace brake pads on these cars ever, uh, which I can confirm um, because I'll get to the, the track day later. Um, but after the track day, like the rear rotors are basically barely touched and the fronts look like mirrors. So, yeah, Interesting. Um, but they are doing something like just not a lot because they do knock the rust off, but not like the heavy grooves. It's weird. Well, it's a pretty, must be a front heavy Very car. Very front heavy car, yeah. It's probably... I think that's why. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they, and the other thing, they just don't want the rear brakes locking up, but you also have ABS. It's weird, right? Yes, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take much in a front heavy car to lock up the rear and spin it yeah, up. Yeah, so, I don't know. I guess that's just the way it is. Um, so, speaking of uh, hydraulics, the, uh, I got the parts in for the, the Talon. So, I did the Master and the Slave Cylinder. Um, they, yep. the master someone was absolutely leaking once I got under there and looked at it again. Um, yeah, that was the one under the dashboard, right? Under the dash on that car. Um, yeah. it was like, Ooh, this looks like it's going to be kind of a pain. Um, but luckily the car hasn't seen weather in so long and the line going into the master cylinder on the top is very high up. It looked like brand new. 
put some deep creep on there and worked it back and forth. That came off. So I was like, all right, cool. The hydroxyline is going to come off. So that's good. Go under there. It's got like a pivot because it's like it's actually closer to the like it's towards the cylinder is towards the inside of the car. Uh, and by the inside of the car, I mean like the clutch pedals, the far left clutch pedals, the far left. So it's got a rod that goes across the pedal box and the master cylinder is all the way like more inboard, I should say. So there's a pivot that it attaches to, and there's a threaded rod. So you do your adjustment. And I was looking at the pivot. And I'm like, man, that's really hard to get out. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to go eat some dinner and I'll come back and do this. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, why would I take that off? There's nothing wrong with it. It just unthreads. So I just unthreaded the piston from it and then took the cylinder out. I was like, duh. And then put the new one in and threaded it into the old one. I was like, perfect. Simple, <laughs> simple repair. At least the threads were the same. <laughs> I did make sure before I got too far, after I took out the old one, that the, the pivot thing that came with the new, the new one, one into the old threaded one. in. And I was like, all right, yeah, we're good. And then the uh, slaves right on the front of the transmission. You did the one on the front wheel drive car. It's the same spot. It's like super easy. Yeah, that was easy. Uh, I did that what a month ago, two yeah. months ago. I've worn that now, probably almost a year it ago. Al- actually, now that I'm thinking yeah, about it. Also, it. <laughs> it bleeds really easy too because it's all it's like one line, and it's high and low. It's like it gravity bleeds. It's like just just doing the one under the car. It gravity bled without yeah. doing anything. It yeah. Worked fine. Like I, pl- I put everything in. I opened the bleeder. I closed the bleeder and it worked. I was like, oh, that was. Yeah, it's pretty painless. That was easy. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the reservoir was a lot shorter than the original. So I was like, that's weird. I, I double checked the Galant, but the Galant one was short. And I was like, oh, it must be like an updated or different part. And they just decided the short reservoir is fine. It seemed to work just fine. Yeah, it's got plenty of fluid. Yeah. But I had old AT Super Blue in there. That's how old it was. Yeah, but it's no miles on it no. either. It wasn't like it was. But uh, and it was funny. I was like, man, this thing must have been failing for a long time. I just thought the clutch was getting heavier in my old age. I just had forgotten because, again, I don't drive that often. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this yep. clutch is so heavy. And just like not realizing that it just got heavier and heavier over time. And now it's not too bad. It's not like a stock clutch, but it's not like the way it was. So that's nice. Cool. Um. I think that's all I did for my cars. I didn't. Oh, uh, you can say bought something. I, I did, but I for, I almost forgot about this because it was like a dumb little thing. I, I bought one of those <laughs> paintless dent removal things off of Amazon that use glue sticks. Uh, yep. I, I tried it on the G20. That there's like a there was like a I don't know. It looked like somebody backed into it right by the corner marker on the driver's that's, side. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, somebody backed into it or they misjudged pulling into a parking spot. But like the paint wasn't really damaged. I don't know. So it was pretty bad. And I was like, you oh, know, maybe I can make it not look as bad. Um, Just just get a PDR guy. <laughs> like, it would have been <laughs> worth paying the guy 200 bucks to do this. Because he probably would have yeah. made it look a lot better. Yeah, you probably could have made it go. Yeah, away. I did an okay job. I don't even really notice it now. Um, it's got kind of like a pimple in the middle. But yep, 
um, the problem is like the glue kind of worked for a little bit. And then a couple spots that actually pulled the clear coat off. Cause you, you have, to, Ooh, yeah, you have to like, there must be like a chip. Yeah. You have to like re you have to work it a little bit. Um, it, it pulled like the big part of the dent. Like the first time I did it, it like started pulling it quite a bit. And I was like, wow, this is going to work. And then that was short lived because then the rest of the like four hours I spent on it was like cleaning the piece, putting more glue on it, pulling it like two or three times. So the glue fell off cleaning it, putting more glue. And I was like, oh, this is why the professionals don't use glue on ones because the mo- the most of the time you spent is just peeling the old glue. Peeling the old glue off and re-gluing it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a couple small, like very small, like penny-sized dings, and I tried it, and it pulled those right out. So, hmm. yeah, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> For 30 bucks, I was like, yeah, it's worth an experiment and podcast yeah. fodder. Maybe I could experiment with it on the top of the eclipse with the hail damages. Yeah, it would actually probably be pretty good for that. You just, it's got a little slide hammer and these plastic things you glue on and you just go tap, tap, tap. And it kind of like almost starts to release as it pops the dent out. Like, and you know, you you know, metal has some sort of memory to it. So it kind of wants to go back to the original way it was. Um, yeah, I'd try it for that. Hmm. I'll give it a go because I was going to get a PDR guy to do it, but sometimes they charge by the Ooh, dent. Yeah. yeah. And uh, hail damage means there's a lot of dents. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably cost what I cost, but I paid for the car to get the PDR yeah. roof. <laughs> but it's the one that lets the car down the most out of anything, though, yeah. in my opinion. Honestly, though, from so. 10 feet now, it looks a lot better. So good. Yeah, I mean, the picture you sent, it looked it looked half decent in the yeah. picture. It wasn't anything that I'd rush out and get repaired. No, I mean, so maybe the car's not. It's not a, it's not junk, but it's not. It's, it's not it's perfect, but it's nice. Patina. Yeah, has yeah. use. It's got loved. It's been loved. Sometimes a little too close. To um, we we'll call it tough yeah. love. It's it's had some tough yeah. love. <laughs> and then it was funny when I was cleaning it so that the glue would stick um it must have some like overspray on it or something i was like man i I guess i need to like really compound it versus just the cleaner wax i used before so it would probably bring the car back a lot because just just the age of the car a good compound would do wonders yeah it just overspray or not it's a lot of handwork even though it's not a big car i just haven't gotten to it um you got to be in the mood. Yeah, like and it, it, it was. It's, it's tedious and tiring, and it was hot and humid this summer, so it's not fun. All right, so uh, cool parts. Uh, former guest of the show, Jeremy Nutt, posted on Facebook. These uh, he's like, anybody want these cool wheels for sale? And they were HRE five hundred fives, so the F forty yep. style wheel. Yeah, super cool uh, wheel. turns out they're so they're sixteens. I think they're sixteen by eights. Uh, okay, so the same size as the HREs you have. Yeah, now, right? they look to be the same offset. Um, that's cool. Yeah, so ideally they should fit. <laughs> if not, all and they're five one fourteen point three. Yeah, because they and 
I because they can't they came off an FDR. Yeah, I'm ninety nine percent sure they'll fit fine because a lot of guys run FDRX seven wheels on DSMs, the five right. spokes, because they're sixteen by eight, yep. and it's hard to find a sixteen by eight wheel. Um, and they're also super light, so a lot of guys run them for drag. So anyway, um, it turns out it was Jeremy's brother in law, so he got me in touch with him. Threw him a price, and he was like, all right, sounds good. I'm like, cool, I'll come get him. Well, it's funny, because that morning he messaged me. He's like, hey, what do you think these are worth? And I told him what I thought they were worth, which was somewhere in the range of what you paid for them. Because, um, you know, I was like, well, average, you know, that era used wheels, that's about what they're worth. And uh, had I known you were buying them, I probably should have told him much more, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I lowballed them, because <laughs> I was like, I don't really yeah. need these. Um, but then right. he's like, he says, that's a good price. He'll take it. And I was like, okay, guess we're, this, this yeah. is on the heat yeah. is on. And they're cool. They're definitely, they're, def- they're definitely worth it. And they'll definitely go. And the, the funny so. thing is he's like, oh, a couple of center caps are missing. I'm like, all right, whatever. We'll figure that out. You know, people can 3d print stuff. Um, sure. I thought it was like the metal center cap. I also thought it was the whole metal. It turns cap, out, <laughs> which was why I gave him the lower part of the range <laughs> yeah. originally. So it turns out it was um, the the chrome faux center lock nut, which mm-hmm. I have like four or five spares of because they came with my other HREs. Like right. I literally was at the guy's house. I was like, "Oh, these are what missing? Oh, I have these." And he's like, "What? You do?" I was like, "Yeah." I was like, mm, "All right, cool." <laughs> yeah, you're the right buyer then. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out. Um, super, I'm super stoked because they're super cool wheels and they're, you know, we say F40 style because they're the same style wheel that's on the F40. Like that, like kind yeah. of like detailed five spoke. Like it's a, it's a five flat spokes with a center kind of, uh, con, con. Yeah. Guess, See, originally when I bought the other wheels, the guy lists them as five Oh ones, but I think they're actually five Oh threes or something. Cause they're like a, they're an yeah, outside sure. mesh versus the mesh on the inside of the lip. I can't quite figure out the idea of them. Yeah, I've never a, seen a, an, a face yeah. mount versus a sandwich. Mount uh, yeah, I've never like seen another one that looks like them. Yeah. And one of them leaks because they, they should be refurbished. But these other wheels, all the tires seem to be holding air. So I'm whatever. If you had factory Mitsubishi wheels, they would still. Yeah, leak because guess what? Yeah. So and they do. So what I might do is just. Uh, I'll switch the. The nice tires that are on the meshes for these change it up just put the meshes back in storage i think and it's a good plan yeah no it'll look good i'm excited to see it on the car because this yeah they need a little buff but they're like in really good shape so that's the other thing i figured like oh they're on an rx7 they couldn't have been used all the time yeah they were driven a maximum of thirty (laughs) thousand miles so yeah super cool super rare um they should look really good, especially because the car's lowered now. They make, a, they make a new version of them now. Yeah, they're too. too big though. They're like 18s minimum. But the, yeah, they're like 18s to 20s, and they're like four thousand dollars because forged new wheels have gotten expensive. The one thing I wish I could find but, is a a rep of the original HRE logo that goes in the center cap because I've got some like repop ones that are on the. HREs I'm running now and I don't love them because they're like the new logo. They're not the old JDM logo because I think these are JDM okay. versions. That's a weird thing where okay. it's like Hayashi Racing Enterprises and then there's yep. like the new HRE which is different. 
Yeah, a different parent company. It's not Hayashi yeah. anymore. So, but they have like the licensing for all the HR reveals. I don't know. Yeah, who uh, who knows? Um, I know you get a lot of street cred though. Having HREs, three pieces. It's like yes, it's a big sure. flex. Especially when you can choose, you, you can choose your set in the morning before you leave. <laughs> yeah. So you have almost three full sets. Yeah, I. I well, have that the, those other three that would technically fit the gallant, but I don't know what they're called, and I'll never find a fourth one. Uh, you will eventually. It'll be somewhere. There will be a, there'll be one. Um, there's actually, sadly, I got a link today for a Sapporo and a Junkyard in California, and it has a wheel on it. Looks just like <laughs> that. <laughs> it's probably not yeah. a sixteen though. No, you're right. There's probably fifteen. It's a weird wheel because it's a wide aluminum face and the mesh is reverse mount yeah i don't know uh, but it's an hre and i've only got three so some wheel expert would know if you posted them up i'm sure yep okay name these wheels so cool that's some good some good progress this weekend yeah what have you been up to uh also working on cars ah it's been been good that times. is the uh that is the theme of our podcast yeah, sometimes we don't do yeah, it though. Standard brand, you know, brand, either weather related or whatever. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. A couple weeks back, I probably talked about how the Sapporo died. Did I talk about that at all? Oh yeah, or uh, almost probably two months ago now. I think it was a while ago. I haven't early summer. Other things have been going yeah. on. So early summer, I took the Sapporo out of the garage, take it to a car. I think coffee. it was before you came I back wrote- to visit. It definitely yeah. was. Um, so I rolled it out of the garage. Um, I, I, I started it up and it ran until it ran out of fuel in the carburetor. And then it just died. I was like, oh, that's Good weird. place to die is in the driveway, though. Well, it is for sure. Let me say, I, I didn't know that it ran out of fuel in the carburetor. I know I started it and it was idling and it died. So I went back out to start it and it wouldn't refire. So I pulled the plug, checked to see if it was making spark. Or I pulled a, a plug wire. Uh, car was still making spark. Uh, I looked in the fuel filter and as it was cranking over there wasn't like any movement you know you can usually see like the fuel like splashing as the suction from the fuel pump pushes it through um because it has a mechanical mount fuel pump mounted on the cylinder head um so i was like oh i guess that the more than likely what happened is the diaphragm inside the fuel pump died so which became a common thread when i did go back to massachusetts and was working on the yellow 74 colt but I ordered a part. It came in. I didn't get a chance to do it. I finally got some time to do it this week. Earlier this week, I was out working on the car, or late last week, whatever day it was, Friday or Saturday. Um, I got the whole car apart. You had to pull the carburetor off in order to get the fuel pump out. I'm sure if you remember on the 74, Andrew, that you could get the, the fuel pump, but you couldn't pull it back far enough because the carburetor fouled it. Yeah, I remember. And do you... Remember how difficult it was to pull that carburetor off? Like you could barely get tools oh, down yeah. in the little yeah. valley to pull the four bolts yeah. off. So apparently later on they improved that design because the carburetor base gasket is the same as the one on the 74, but the carburetor mounts with four through bolts that go all the way to the top. So when you pull the valve cover, valve cover bleh, when you pull the air cleaner off, the top of the carb is exposed and there's four 12 millimeter bolt heads that literally go all the way down to the manifold and hold the thing in place. So it takes like 
other than disconnecting the fuel lines and the throttle linkages, it takes like two seconds to pull the car out of the car, which is awesome. <laughs> I didn't have to fight with it. Like I had to fight with the one on the Colt. So I'll get that out of the way. Pulled the old fuel pump out of the cylinder head, cleaned up all the gasket, got the new gaskets ready to go, put the new gaskets on. They had the same kind of like phenolic plastic spacer that the Colt had. Uh, went to put the new fuel pump in and because 2021 car parts are terrible, it doesn't fit. So I'll have to post a picture of it at some point. I wanted to talk about it before I posted it. The factory fuel pump, I assume factory fuel pump that came off the car, has a single blade of metal that goes into the cylinder head and rides on the camshaft. The aftermarket replacement pump, for some reason, has two pieces of metal the same size, side by side, like sandwiched together. And then when they get into the fuel pump, they widen out and go... It's hard to explain it. They widen out about, I don't know, an eighth of an inch and then go hinged on either side. Instead of being one single piece riding on a, a pin and a shaft, it has two pieces with the shaft going in the middle and a spacer in between them. I don't know if it's to give it more stability or what. But because they designed it this way, the arm going into the cylinder head is twice as thick as the factory one. It wouldn't be a problem if I had an earlier car and didn't have the jet valves in the head. But because the clearance between the jet valve, which is the third valve that Mitsubishi put in the cars to help with emissions, um, it fouls in between the jet valve and the actual tower for the head bolt. So it doesn't fit. So that's where I'm stuck. So I haven't had a chance to get back out there because of the second update that's happening in a minute um, to get more into it. But I need to see if I can find a way to either separate this and only one the, run the one arm. But I think the way the design of the pump is, that won't work because the arm that it rocks up and down on in the pump is designed for the twin arm in the bottom. So the single arm wouldn't fit there. Or I have to try to bend this thing somehow in like multiple ways and like snake it around parts. Cause my other thing is I went back to like rock auto to look at all the other ones that they list and they all have the same dual arm setup. So the, if I can't make it work, the final option is the same thing we did with the Colt, and that is to forego the mechanical pump altogether and run an electric pump back by the tank somewhere. Which, at least if I have to do now, I've done it once and it shouldn't be difficult. <laughs> and there's more area to mount it under this car because it's a much bigger car. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. I, it's still broken. I need to figure out how to make it work. So I can't find, obviously, a factory Mitsubishi fuel pump. It needs to be one of these aftermarket ones that all seem to have that stupid double arm. So that's where we're at. So hopefully I can make something work. Otherwise, I'm going to wind up uh, having to go the alternate route, which is the electric fuel pump, just like in the yellow Colt, which I don't want to do. All right. So that's where we're at that. Second project car update. Um, I've been having a very difficult time locating a Ford small block. Yeah, surprisingly. 
you would you wouldn't think it would be difficult. But what happens? And they seem to be until you go to get them. The problem is, and I don't want to alienate listeners here, but I'm going to. The problem is, I'm used to dealing with the vintage import and vintage Mitsubishi crowd, right? Right. It's a smaller crowd we of all people. Kind of stick together, and know each other. We all kind of stick together and know each other. So getting used parts is never a problem. When you go outside of the world you know, and you're dealing with traditional American car people, uh, you get into a whole different subset of car culture. These are the... um, How do I say this, Andrew, without being a jerk? No, it's just there's a lot of people that... It's more common to have all these things... So the yeah, it's more the, common. So the people you get the, are less. The chances friendly. are you'll run across an annoying person, right? Or seven. Yeah. So what was happening was I would see these parts listed, and then you message them on Instagram or Facebook or Craigslist or wherever they're listing the parts for sale. Um, and they'll then get back they'll to talk you. to you about them, or, or, or they they won't get back to you at all, or they'll talk to you about them. And then you're like, all right, cool. I'll be there on Saturday. And then Saturday comes and, you know, and we're talking like Friday to Saturday, not like Monday to Saturday. And they just don't answer the phone anymore. It's that the, or they don't respond to the meme of the kid disappearing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's every single one that we've been trying so hard to find an engine and transmission for this car. And every person that lists Ford 302 parts and T5 transmissions is just an absolute flake and impossible to keep a hold of. Um, so that there's no shortage of them out there. You know, if I searched uh, Mitsubishi, you know, G63B, I'd have a lot less or 4G61 or whatever. I'd have a lot less results, but the person would probably sell me the part. <laughs> the problem with this is there's so many results. There's so many of them out there. I don't know if it's just because it's so popular. You know, after I hung up and I said, I'll be there tomorrow. Some guy called up and was like, hey, I'll be there tonight. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, but it happened so many times. And one guy even was like, hey, I'm on vacation. I'm out of town. I posted it. The parts are still there. Hit me up on Monday morning first thing. I come back in town. So, all right, cool. You hit him up Monday morning first thing and nothing. <laughs> like, what What happened? Where We've been trying so hard to get these parts. So we finally found half of the equation. Um, we found the engine. So listed on, I think it was in Craigslist. Um, was a 1971 Ford F100 driveline. It was a T5 and a 302. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what we need. This was listed on like, I don't know, Wednesday. We messaged the guy on Thursday. He's like, yes, I still have the engine. The transmission wow. is gone. And we're like, so uh, yeah, maybe your theory is right there. It's very popular stuff. It's hard to, it's hard maybe, to, find but thoughts. I wouldn't make you break uh, up. The, yeah. I wouldn't think he'd break up the set. Maybe, yeah. So anyway, so I go ahead and we're like, all right, um, you know, we're definitely interested in the engine. When can, when can you meet up? And then he said Saturday. So we're like, all right, cool. Saturday works or Sunday or whatever day it was. I think it was that Sunday. So the exact opposite happened. That's been happening the whole time. Like literally Sunday comes eight o'clock in the morning. He messages us. Hey, what time do you want to meet up? We're like, whatever works. He's like, how about noontime? Cool. So we go to the address, which is always sketchy because you never know where you're going to wind up. Um, it's in a decent neighborhood. Uh, it turns out the guy doesn't live there, though. 
he owns the property. He rents out the house, <laughs> and then he fenced off the whole backyard separate for like his own like personal uh, like workshop back there. He's got a three car garage and like junkyard. All right, fair enough. Behind the house that he rents out. That's cool. I would do that. I can see myself. I can see myself doing this. Like, hundred percent. Totally cool plan. Like, as long as the people renting the house don't care that they can't access the whole backyard, only what you fenced off for them. Yeah. So, um, turns out it's a super cool guy. It's a 71 Ford F100 that he bought wrecked because he has a 56 Ford in the backyard that he was going to take all of the engine and trans and running gear from the 71 and put it in the 56. Uh, he said, turns out it's beyond my, uh, it's beyond my scope of skill. So I'm not going to do it right now. And I'm just going to get rid of the 71 truck and all the parts that came with it for now and worry about the 56 in the future. Then he tried to sell us the 56, of course, but somehow I said no. Hmm. I'm not sure, but somehow. I have a hard time saying no to cheap cars, but I said no. Um, so we're getting I'm getting ahead of myself. We call him in the, in the morning. He says noontime. We're like, all right, cool. We obviously don't have a, a vehicle we can use to pick up an engine. So all the local U-Hauls seem to be closed on Sundays, which is weird. So we called Home Depot to see if they had a truck. We called the guy, see if he had an engine hoist. And he says, yes, I have a hoist. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll come down. We're going to get a truck. So we go to get the truck. We don't message him until we're getting the truck just to make sure we have the truck. And say, hey, you know, we're on the way. We're getting the rental truck now. And the guy goes, did you already sign the paperwork? And we're like, yeah. He's like, oh, I could have just delivered it for you. We're like, oh. I was like, and we were still standing in Home Depot. And I was like. Just cancel the truck. <laughs> so we asked the guy, hey, can we cancel the truck? Like, we haven't taken anything yet. He's like, yeah, I don't care. I was like, man, I'm really sorry. I don't want to waste your time. He's like, listen, I don't care. Like, it's totally <laughs> fine. He doesn't care. So, yeah, exactly. So we cancel the truck. Um, and we go to meet this guy at this house. So we go in the backyard where the 56 Ford is and the 71 Ford. And uh, it's the yard is full of Honda three-wheelers. Oh, dear. Like the ATCs, yeah. that I mean, probably thirty. Whoa! Of them, just in various stages of restoration, that's his main thing. He loves old Honda. How ATVs. many collarbones has he broken? Yeah, I don't know, but that's not my problem. So, super cool guy. Um, he's got a fairly new Chevy truck. The engine was actually already on a trailer, strapped down. So he's like, "Yeah, we can just load it up." And he was maybe ten minutes down the street from us. So it worked out perfect. And we're like, well, what do you want to deliver it? And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. And we're like, no, I'm going to keep like an extra 50 bucks or something to deliver it. You saved me 100, and, 100 to $150 in rental trailers and U-Hauls and whatever. Or, you know, even 50 or 60 in a stupid Home Depot truck. Like, uh, So we threw him an extra 50 bucks over his asking price for the engine to deliver it. So we have the engine at the house. Um, I have an engine stand here. I didn't have an engine hoist. Um I, uh, Jordan has it at his house because I wasn't going to travel it across country. So when you use an engine hoist at Jordan's house, that's my old engine hoist. But because of that, I don't have one out here. So I had to buy one out here. So we went straight from having the engine dropped in our yard to Harbor Freight to grab an engine hoist because, you know, Naomi and I are not, um, the weakest individuals in the world, but we're certainly not strong enough to pick up a 302 V8 fully dressed, like, valve cover like carburetor to oil pan like a complete engine 
So we certainly can't pick that up by hand, so he engine hoist. So we went to Harbor Freight. They had the engine hoist in stock. Came back, got that built. Uh, managed to get the engine hoisted up, mounted to the stand. Uh, realized after that that I had to put the engine stand arm on backwards. <laughs> so it looked like it was collapsing immediately. So we hoisted the engine back up, uh, took it off the stand, and <laughs> disassembled the stand and put the stand back together again. Uh, so now it sits on there nicely, nice and steady. Um, cleaned it up just enough to find the numbers on the thing. You know, knowing it came out of a 71 pickup, but not knowing much about the 71 pickup, the guy bought it wrecked. It had been on one of the, you know, mountain roads up here. And I don't know exactly what happened, but it went off the side of the road and rolled over. Um, the guy did have videos of the engine running, so you know it's still good. It was freed up. I have that boroscope that I picked up, the Klein Tools boroscope, the one that plugs into your phone and turns your phone into the screen. Um, that is the best $30 tool you can buy. I don't remember seeing that. For I didn't have that like out here. 29 for like, I don't that? remember seeing that. I don't think you had it out here. I didn't have it. I bought oh. it here. No, I bought it here. Um, they're at Home Depot for $29.99. Hmm. Um, it's literally a boroscope with a light on the end that you can adjust the brightness of the light. And it's small enough to fit in a spark plug hole. And it's it plugs into your phone. There's no hardware. It's just the, the camera on a flexible shaft. And it's like a three-foot shaft. Um, and turns your entire phone screen into the camera. Oh. Super cool. And I, they have a lightning cable one and a USB-C in the box. So it works for both. Um, you just download the Klein Tools app and it works perfectly. And then you can take pictures and videos and whatever inside things. So that way I was able to check inside the cylinders to make sure it wasn't all rusty and gross, right? Make sure it wasn't broken pistons or... I mean, you spend a few hundred bucks on an engine, you want to make sure it's half decent inside. So we did that. It was definitely good. We got it back here. We got it cleaned up. It turns out that it decoded to the first the first four digits on the engine block were D4DE, which I learned in small block forward world because the 302 went from like 1968 till forever, right? So that means that the first D means that it's 1970s. If it was a C, it would be 1960s. And then the four is the fourth year, so it's from 74. And the second D means it came out of a Maverick. So it's a 302 out of a Grabber Maverick from 74. Interesting. Which is good good and bad. Um, it's a little two-barrel carb on top, which we're going to throw in the trash. Um, but it also means that the cylinder heads make it an eight to eight, eight to one compression. Yeah. So it's like a 302 cubic inch V8 that makes 140 horsepower. Oh. Not good. Not good. But the good news is, is that it's a 302. And all you need to do is grab a set of cylinder heads off of any Mustang built in the 80s or 90s or a Ford Explorer from the early 2000s. Um, and if you get the right cylinder heads, it bumps the compression up a bunch. And with getting rid of the two barrel carb and putting a better intake manifold on it and the Holly sniper fuel injection that we're going to do, it'll wind up being like a 250 horse motor without touching the bottom end. Yeah. So, and that's perfect for a 68 Mustang coupe. Like that's more than a made factory and not enough to be like a stupid race car and just be a nice, reliable, fun car to drive oh, yeah. around. So super excited about that. So we need to try to find cylinder heads. Um, 
the you know the Ford code you hear about the GT40 heads. Yeah, that's what everybody wants. That's what you look for. That's what came in like ninety eight to two thousand Ford Explorers, and like a bunch of different Mustangs and and everything. Yeah, so it might be in a yard between that and yeah, you go to the yard, you find the right year car, and you pull the heads off. So not a big deal. I, I planned on regasketing the engine anyway because we have it on a stand. We might as well, right? Pull off everything that has a gasket and put it all back together with fresh gasket so it doesn't leak. So hopefully that's all it needs and everything is good to go and the thing runs real good because seems like it's going you to, could, right? So um, now all you need to do you is... You could do a compression check now. Um, yes. Oh, absolutely. You can do a compression check with, you know, just turn it over by hand. No, it won't spin fast so. enough. You just hit the, hit oh, the starter with a starter jump around. pack or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't have a starter on it. I got yeah. a starter. But you're right. Yeah. That way you'll know the rings are good. Yeah. Uh because yep. then if the rings are good and you if you have the heads cleaned up in a machine shop, old an old trick to make more horsepower is to put fresh heads on a broken in engine. Sure. Well that's definitely what's gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> so I, I whatever heads we get, you know, unless we're not buying brand new heads, obviously, we're buying, you know, used heads somewhere. We'll go to the machine shop and be checked out. So not worried, not worried about that. Um, so yeah, so now I'm just looking for the, the big component. Obviously, I need to find now is a transmission. Mm. Uh, the car was a factory four speed. Obviously, I'd like to change it to a five speed T5 because you know better on the highway and whatnot. Um, but if I find the four speed first, I'm not going to turn it down. You know, so the, the motor came complete. Like I said, carburetor to fuel to fuel pan excuse me, carburetor to oil pan. Um, but it, it is missing, obviously. It doesn't have a clutch, doesn't have a, f- a flywheel. No big deal. We're going to need those anyway. With the, They'd probably be different changing the transmission anyway to a T5. So we had a couple more things we need, but the, the engine is here, which is a huge step in the process, right? The engine is here. We need to find a transmission, and then everything else we can order, you know, brand new from a catalog without an issue. I mean, I guess technically I could have ordered a brand new engine and transmission from a catalog too, but that's outside of budget. So <laughs> that's not happening. Yeah, you probably need specific manifolds for it to put the Mustang exhaust. So the car, the car already has exhaust on the car um, that goes up into the engine bay, and it has long tube headers on it. Oh, cool! So seventy. There are they're still in the car. Yep, they're still in the car. So all you got to do, unless we change the cylinder heads to a GT forty P which is a late, late model GT40 heads, and they have a different exhaust outlet, um, then the headers that are in the car will work fine. So I'm going to search to not find GT40P heads unless they're like free-ish. Because if they're free-ish, it'll be worth buying the new headers. But if they cost money, it's not worth buying both, you know? What are you, the old BBK shorties on there? Yeah, whatever (laughs) it takes. I'll be fine with it. Um, uh, hey, the, the key, the key is, you know, and flows. the key is the right parts, the budget making it work. So I, I think that this is, yeah. this is the best way to do it. And I was looking for a motor like this that was fully dressed, you know, cause I wanted one that already had the whole front. A lot of guys were selling like a bare block or a car with, or an engine with no front components on it, you know, no water pump, no timing components. No, I wanted a complete like 
a complete dressed engine so that even if I replace everything, at least everything's there. So I don't have to chase down every individual little bolt and every little bracket and every little piece. So this thing is complete from water pump back. So obviously, I, you know, we have a stand. I'll put a new timing chain in it because it's like, you know, $40. Like it's cheap insurance while it's apart, right? You might as well do it. So we'll mm-hmm. do we'll do all that stuff while it's out of the car. So we can get that all prepped while we're looking for a transmission. And then hopefully timing will work out and we'll have a new transmission or a transmission in place by the time we get that all taken care yep. of. So I'm excited because it means this project's moving along. Um and uh, the weather here is starting to get a little bit cooler, especially at night. So it's uh, ideal for working on cars. And uh, getting these parts here now is good. So, And also, I'd like to get it done and off the engine stand so I can go back to Toyota, too. Yeah. So, good stuff's happening. The time of the year is here. Cars can be worked on again. Now that we're like definitely settled into the house, we've been here for a year. Like It's just... It's good. I'm not working a job that I work 80 hours a week anymore, so... More time for cars is a good thing, right? Right. All right. I had a question for Excellent. you. So that's my uh, project car stuff for the week. Okay. Um, and this will probably maybe help out some other people. So I got to, obviously, I'm keeping the G20. I got to keep it outside. I don't have a space for it. Yep. Uh, yep. I'll just, you know, not driving the winter here. We actually get, the, the air gets really dry. So I'll just uh, fluid film the underside. Sure. And, and I, I have nice rocks with good drainage that I park on. Um. I got to do okay. that to the, the the Montero again this year too, but what kind of car covers should I buy for keeping cars outside? <clears throat> so if you're not going to spend a ton of money on a car cover, it doesn't matter. Okay. Because whether it's a thirty dollar car cover or a sixty dollar car cover, they're the same coverage. All right. Um, if you want to spend a ton of money on a car cover, then obviously, you know, the $250 California car cover route is the way to go. Um, what do I need? They make them custom to have snow fall on it. Just keep the sun off of it. You, then, yeah, you just need the cheap $30 car cover from Walmart. Cause the, I know it's like the Montero is getting a little, I mean, the paint wasn't great to begin with, but the sun is definitely beating up the plastics on like the yep. vent visors. Like I need to polish them out again and stuff like that no um i mean honestly maybe at at that point then yeah maybe we're talking about one of the the mid-level cheap car covers um because the cheap cheap ones are pretty thin yeah um but i don't think any of the cheap car covers have much uv protection all right I, i i think you're talking about you know buying a real expensive car cover in order to have proper uv like i i have a custom fit um i think they call it like noah fabric car cover for the Sapporo. Um, and it's, it's amazing how nice a nice car cover is. Like, it's like, you know, a good pair of pants that fits well, like it's custom tailored pants. Like it fits perfectly to you. Cause they're made for yeah. you. The car cover fits perfectly to the car. Like it doesn't blow around in the wind. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't keep anything outdoors that has nice paint on it. So I don't worry as much about the UV protection. Um, yeah, it's yeah, UV, and then you know, they're gonna have snow sitting on them. So uh, if it snows, but we do, it's just sunny. When it comes all the time. when it comes to snow sitting on them, I I try to wipe it off. I do too. I push it off if I'm out there. I clean the dailies off, and then I clean yeah, it because I don't let it build up because it can actually crush the the hood or the roof. Well, I don't even I don't even think about that much as 
that that as much, but it's when the snow sits on the cover for a long time, that cover stays wet. Yeah, I I definitely push it off, and the and then it winds up keeping the rust, everything underneath it rusts because it's wet the whole time. You got to keep the cover cover clear so it dries off in the sun. Yeah. Um, the 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 biggest difference in the cheap covers is that the super cheap thirty dollar car cover will last you, you know, a year and a half. The sixty dollar car cover might last you two years, mm. and then the two hundred dollar car cover will last you forever. Yeah. And then the Montero's gonna. So if sorry, if you care about the paint, I would. It, it's worth spending the extra money for a good so, for a good like California car right. cover, custom fit cover. Because two things happen: one, the UV protection is good; two, because it's custom fit to the car, it doesn't blow in the breeze, so it doesn't have the constant scratching against the car. All right, maybe the Montero gets a cheap one because the clear coat's already gone. Yep. And then the yeah, buy a big size G twenty gets a good one because the paint's still nice yep. um yeah i i would i would spend the money on the on the g20 cover plus when you sell the car it, it'd be added value too to help sell they the don't car, like, um fit california car cover if you ever sell the car you don't put tarps on them i don't put tarps on them because you don't want to trap moisture in between anything what about what about um, just over the windshield so the montero is leaking like really bad and i don't know what to do with it it needs a windshield and i don't I would put a windshield claim in and get a windshield. It's got a crack in it, right? Sure does. Right. So put a windshield claim in, get a new windshield, and yeah, like, have them make sure it's sealed up nice. Yeah. And then I got to find a place. Because Otherwise, you got to fight it forever and you got to wind up with mold and mildew inside the car. There already is starting. I, <clears throat> and I've had the, because right. it's got vent visors. So on the I've just left the windows cracked. So that, oh, ideally, when it's hasn't been raining, it's been sunny and hot and the it'll evaporate out of there. It dries out. But I need to yeah. vacuum it out, actually, because there's enough in there. It's annoying. Yeah, no, if, if your windshield is leaking, there's really nothing you're going to do to stop it. Because even if you tarp over the front of it, what's going to happen is all the water that gets in the roof is going to melt. All the, all the snow is going to melt. It's going to run down the front of the truck. It. It's going to run under the tarp yeah. no matter what. Yeah, I got to find so, a place to do it then. You're, you're never going to... Water, water finds a way, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> all right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Fix it right. I don't do anything. I need to do something because it's, it's not good to have that water sitting in there. Right, it's like I said, fix it right. I don't do anything, so I I I'd get a windshield put in it. Honestly, it wouldn't be too expensive to have a, a glass guy, a proper glass guy, like you know, new angle or um, um, yeah, Royal Glass in Salem. There, one of the two companies put a windshield in. It. I should just go there with it, show it to them, or no, just tell them, hey, I need a windshield. All right, and you're having one of those companies do it. Yeah, talk after. Next time you see my dad, talk to my dad. He knows the guy. He knows both glass guys. And yeah, I want to go to like glass people that are cool with old stuff because it seems like. Well, I've I've had both both of those companies have done my old cars before. You know what the Um, crazy thing is? I I shouldn't say this, but I've been driving for almost twenty years. I haven't. uh, I've never put a windshield in the car. One of my own cars. Oh, I currently I currently have a shattered glass in the front of the Eclipse outside. I haven't that claim in yet so well, they gave you a check for it didn't they put the claim in but I'm, yeah I, I have the money here to fix it i just haven't done yeah it. so it's it's a it's montero I went to massachusetts yeah. and then i came back here yeah started a new job and i just haven't had yeah montero's in Haggerty too so I'm, I'm sure they'll do the same thing yep more than likely all right anyway so anyway or you, you can even get a price just to replace it see what it costs that's true it might not be it might not be huge money that's true who knows 
Car news. A couple of things. Did you hear about the Camblock Audi partnership? Just today. That's all new to me. Uh, it's supposed to be EVs. So, I don't know. Yes. Because uh, that was a while ago. Audi was like, we're not racing anymore. Yes, but well, they are, but they're doing it in all EV stuff now. That should be interesting. So it's interesting that they got Ken Block on board because he's not traditionally an EV guy. <laughs> he's traditionally a loud, raucous, in-your-face, like, the most... Ob- How obnoxious can I be? Yeah. No, not obnoxious enough. So they got to put him in, like, in an EV car, which seems a little more... I mean, I guess they make tons of power, and they're probably just fun to drive oh, yeah. around fast right. like that. They don't care about the sound. It just—it's—it's it's interesting to see. I, I guess—I guess where I'm at is that Audi seems like such an upscale company, and while I'm sure Ken Block is a nice guy, he doesn't have that same like upscale appeal. I don't know, man. It's like if you're a young, if you're a young bro with some money, if you get like an S3, S4, S5, like that's the go-to car. Sure. So, anyway, it's neat, and I'm I'm glad that Audi is getting back into something, um, and it's neat to see Ken Block doing anything because, whatever your opinion is of the guy, he definitely brings an audience to a sport. But you know his his company is great at marketing and whatever. I'll watch some video of him to market something. doing stuff in an Audi. I don't care. Yeah, no, I listen. I'm, I'm going to watch it no matter what. Doesn't matter. But what I was saying is he he definitely brings an audience, you know, and you and I aren't the target audience, but it brings us too. <laughs> yeah. Are you so, not entertained? Anyway, it's yeah, it's neat. I'm into it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, I don't want to see him roll an S1 Quattro in the forest in Maine, but whatever. If it has to happen. It has to happen. Hey, right? maybe they'll build some crazy carbon bodied one from scratch and throw an EV drivetrain in it. And See that? I'm I'm down. I'm I'm behind that. Yeah. That'd so, be cool. It's interesting. I've been watching a bunch of the uh, the E. The, I probably should have looked the name up before I started this, but the E trucks. They're like the car style trucks. Uh it's like the name. Uh, it's like Rally Raid, but with EVs. Yeah. So like short races, but they're EVs. Oh shoot! I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. They're super cool, and there's some really good competition going on with them. Um, and they, the rules are kind of fast and loose, it seems, like as far as the course goes. Yeah. Uh, Extreme E. Yeah. Extreme E is the name of the series. And there's a bunch of clips. I don't know if you can watch it anywhere, but I know there's a bunch of clips you can see on, on the internet. Hey, the Nitro, so, uh, uh, Nitro Rallycross is coming to Phoenix. Yeah, I'm super excited for that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how big the track is going to be, because the one they did last year was all at one circuit, that big jump and everything. Yeah. So it might be interesting to see what they do. Uh, only other car news I saw. Did you see the sale this weekend of the Risky Business 928? Yeah, for like over a million. What was it? Million something? It was like insane. 1.98. <laughs> okay. That uh, doesn't make any sense. The movie's like, meh. Okay. <laughs> like it's, it's it's an entertaining movie, but it's not like... It's not a groundbreaking movie, is it? Uh, I don't know if that was his first big movie. I don't know. It's not as cool as Top Gun. But either. Like. No. And the car is a 928. He had better 80s movies. Like, uh, you would almost think the, like it's the a, car, the, was it a, 
Lincoln? What was the car in uh, Rain Man? Oh, the Buick. Yeah, that was a big part of the story in the movie. You'd think that would also bring big money if that went up for sale, but maybe it would. I don't know. Yeah. So I saw this car last two years ago. It was either beginning of 2020 or end of 2019. Um, it was here in Phoenix uh, in, at the Fountain Hills Concourse. Um, it wasn't roped off or anything. It was just another car on a line of cars. And it had you know, a sign in the front, you know, hey, risky business, Tom Cruise, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just a Porsche 928. So I wasn't like, like, oh, I was like, oh, cool. It's that car from that movie. Moving on to the next car. Like, I took a picture of it, kept walking. So does it mean like a 944 I, in, uh, from uh, 16 Candles is worth a ton of money? I I would. Listen, neither one of them is worth $1.9 million. Um, but I would rather pay $1.9 million for that car than this car. Yeah. I wouldn't pay for either, obviously, because I you know can't afford. Just to the accident dollars. damage it had, it was a flood car, <laughs> right? So this is a beige nine twenty eight with a brown interior. I mean, it's obviously not the one that you drove into the lake, but it's the it's the close up car from the movie. Um, I don't know, whatever. I, I don't think it's going to change the world of nine twenty eights in any way, shape, or form. I think it's just two dummies wanted to, I don't know, touch the steering wheel that Tom Cruise touched. Must have been some, what's that religion? I can't even think of it now. Oh, don't say it because they'll come after us. <laughs> That's fine. Let them. You know what I mean anyway. Yeah. Must have been the Thetans the or whatever they are. <laughs> you gotta go clear. <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was interesting. It's uh, it's definitely a, an interesting moment in the history of cars and time, but it's dumb. And just like anything else, it's dumb. There's so many more movie cars. I don't think the star car from Back to the Future sold for 1.9 million, and that's a way more important car in movie. Yeah. Like, whatever. Anyway, I guess that means I have two Porsche rants two weeks in a row, but life goes on. I think the average 928 price is like 20 grand probably. Mm. Average. Mm-hmm. There's some that are worth more and some that are worth less. But um well, all right. <laughs> it's been skewed now, yeah. unfortunately. Right. So I just went to look up the average at my site that I use to look track prices of cars. And a 928 base model manual current market value of $209,000. Well, that's only because one sold for $2 million. What? <laughs> yeah, no. That doesn't count. Nope. Looking at the rest of them that sold, we have 30200 So this is the order in which they go. 30200 $1.9 million, 29000 27000 So. Nope. It's not going to change the world. It's just going to change the average price, I guess, in this one listing. It's going to skew things. I hate it now. All right. Oh, there you go. Not to get too deep in the paint. S, average price, $27,000. All right. We're already too Good deep. To it's fine. Moving on. We got some scale cars. No more Porsche argument. We did. You got a bunch got more a than I did. I, I, had a couple, couple. I, I only had a couple come in. These are all 164s? I'm that's not very our, smart. I have, that, yes. That's our hot scale. Mine are too. What'd you get? Hot tips. Buy bull market. Buy it now. Yeah. Um, I got a bunch of weird stuff. 
Um, I'll just name off a couple of quick highlights. Um, Hot Wheels just came out with a brand new casting mm-hmm. of an EK9 Civic Type R. Oh, cool. So I got me one of those. Yep. I did pick up an extra so that I can get one to you if you don't find one. Cool. That's I probably cool. won't because there's still um, Hot Wheels anywhere. I, I just, I don't find them at like Targets and Walmarts. It's just the random grocery store finds. It's the only time I've ever oh, seen the, them Oh, the bin I keep looking in. I've been looking in at the Shaw's that I go to for months and months and months. It's getting lower and lower and lower. I finally see in the bottom. Yeah, nothing good nope. is left, obviously. So I got a bunch of cool stuff. Um, one of my biggest collections that I keep outside of Hot Wheels is the Tomica Limited Vintage. I just learned what the TLV uh, abbreviation was. Tomica Limited yeah, Vintage. I no, know I didn't know it. I, a, somebody had posted it on Twitter and I didn't know it. I'm a failure as a friend. I apologize. Do you have any TLV cars? I have you one. Do. You have the Galant VR4 yeah, that I got you for yeah. Christmas a few years ago. Um, I have a bunch because, as it's been well documented on this podcast, that uh, as an adult with money, I shouldn't be allowed to have access to toys. So um, I picked up two new ones. I have one is a GX71, uh, which is a basically the Japanese market equivalent of an early 90s Toyota Cressida. The fact that that exists in 164 scale proves that I am not alone in my weird obsessions. So it's a 1992 version of the Japanese version of the Cressida. I guess over there it would be called a Mark II uh, because it's a pillarless sedan. Whereas here the Cressida had pillars. So I also picked up a Tomica Limited Vintage 2000 GTR, which is the Hakasuka Skyline sedan. Um, fairly rare car now that I happen to come across. Um, that's it for Tomicas. We'll go real quick down the line. There's a company called Mini GT, a fairly new company that got into a deal with uh, Jun Amai of Hot Wheels fame. He designed all of the early Japanese uh, Hot Wheels castings. It was Jun Amai and um, Ryu Asada were the two designers. Uh, but he got into a deal with Mini GT where he did a Datsun 510 special edition that is like a drag racing car, which is a neat like way to do a 510. I haven't really seen anybody do that process before, so that came out and I got one of those. Um, the new Tarmac Corolla AE92 race car, which uh, would have been a 24 Hours of Spa car in 19, 1989, which is super cool. I'll send you some pictures of that one and post that one up on our uh, newly reformed um yeah scale project cars scale car daily diecast daily whatever we're going to wind up doing it we get some behind the scenes work to do to get that restarted again with its own new place but so i got a bunch of new stuff for there on top of that i got a bunch of other 164 scale random things that you'll see pictures pop up you know here and there eventually um i picked up a whole collection of early prince skylines in 164 scale which is what the Nissan Skyline was before it was Nissan. So those are also really cool. Some early 60s Japanese stuff, like really digging deep in the Japanese car history here. But what'd you pick up? Fresh from Japan, I've got the uh, Para 64 Galant VR4 in left-hand drive. Excellent. They make two versions, the left-hand drive one. Um, it's cool because it's like, i just been pre-ordering stuff on Hobby Search. 1999.jp.en or something. 
1999.co.jp. Yeah. Um, they send me alert, buy it, and then, man, DHL is like super fast, especially a small package. Yeah, like that. buying stuff from Japan is faster than buying stuff from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. <for me. laughs> It's, I don't it's wild. Um, yeah. Like you send me a package, like priority mail, and they're like, priority. <laughs> I'll get there in a month. Yeah. I buy something from Japan and pay like $4 to ship it. And it's here in two days. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I was looking for the A86. It's, um, you know, 64. Um, but I was looking for the drift version because it's a, they don't say the KHE Toshia car, but it is. Um, and I remember right, it from I think it's the green, the green carbon hood. Yeah, I remember it from you, from the best motoring video slash hot version. That was his car that he would yep. uh, baseline other cars in the toge with. So a little nostalgia there. I had to order that from a, a place on eBay, but I got that the same day. I got the Glant. Yeah, I think I need that one because it's pretty uh, cool. I have the stock version of the Corolla, but I much rather have that. Yeah, one, so maybe I'll sell my stock one on eBay to, uh, and buy that one. It's way cooler. I gotta get over to to ikea and get some shelves and finish setting up my basement office and i have so many that need to go on the yeah. shelf while i was in massachusetts actually naomi was not with me unfortunately but because she was here and i wasn't here you know distracting her by not letting her work on things she uh not letting her work on things is not what i mean but just we weren't like watching tv and stuff she was actually doing projects um no matter how I say that, it sounds bad. She wanted to do some extra work while she was here without me, so she did. So she set up a bunch of shelves in the spare bedroom here, so I have more display space now for stuff. Ah. So I've been putting stuff up. Yeah. So I thank her immensely and innumerably for that. So, yes, tons of display spaces here. Any events, Andrew? Yeah. So, all right, I talked about fixing the brakes. So I took the car to track nine at Lime Rock. I always wanted to drive at Lime Rock. That was uh, last night. It was like more like a track afternoon because it gets dark early. And plus Lime Rock, the the, the sound cut off even on a weekday is, is 6 p.m. So um, even on a weekday, huh? Yeah. So we had to start at like um, start at like two o'clock Did four sessions. Which I, I suppose in the novice class, you kind of lose a session because the first one's kind of paced. And I was like, oh, that's the appeal of going up a class, which I'll probably do next season. Um, got one more to do October 5th, and I think I'll take the Gallant to Thompson because it'll be a little quicker. Ideally, the weather will be a little cooler. Oh, I did miss that Project Car update on that. I added some Kydex sheets to make air guides underneath the bumper because there was an open space behind the intercooler that just dumped to underneath the car. So I filled that space with a Kydex plastic sheet. So ideally as air enters the, uh, hits the intercooler, it will not escape below the radiator. It'll be forced through the radiator. You playing with one of your cars right now? You playing with one of your cars right now? You know, I took out to take a picture for you and I realized how much noise it was making. So I immediately put it away. Um, so yeah, Lime Rock, Boston. super cool. Um, I think it was also uh, confidence level was better because the car was braking in a straight line. Uh, two, I've, I've it wasn't, wasn't all squirrely. On you. Yeah, I didn't. I was. I've done hundreds of laps there in a video game in Forza. Um, so it was like, it's it's weird. I don't. 
somehow you don't realize in the game when you're there, like the scaling feels right now that I'm thinking back to the game. Like, I'm going to go play it probably later this week. But when you're looking at the screen and then it, you're there driving it real life, the scale feels correct, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, the only thing that's missing from the game is the, the G-forces. Like coming around, so you ran it without the chicane, which is the way we usually uh, run in the video game. So you come up that hill and you get some compression. You get positive Gs. You get a little squish down in your seat. And then you just pop up over the hill and you, it's a little light. Super fun. Um, they only did two passing zones, so front straight. And then when you come up that hill, that back straight into West Bend, that's a passing zone. Um, it definitely like you could haul like th- so through the S's. I could catch like some more powerful cars, and then they hit that straight and the back straight, and they just motor away from me. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, they, they were just gone, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, what I did, I didn't really do any shifting. I got it into fourth. The car did really well in fourth. It wasn't bogging. You just could carry that speed. And honestly, it's kind of fun to not have to shift. You could do it if you want, but then there's no risk to like money shift anything. Yeah, breaking things. Um, yeah. A faster car, you probably have to shift. Maybe a slower car, you might. But um, and even then, you'd probably be from like third to fourth. Um, which yeah, watching the video because you posted a video on your Instagram account of like an in car. And you could tell that, like, coming out of the S's, going into that backstretch, you probably could have downshifted, but I could also tell you didn't need to. I matted it, and like, the car was still acceler- that... was the car was accelerating, like, yeah. I, it just seems like it might have accelerated a little faster in a lower gear, maybe. Um, but it wasn't. I don't I think don't... it was necessary because you're not trying to win a race. You're not trying to get good lap times. You're just trying to enjoy yourself. The thing is, though, if that's how you enjoyed it through the S's there, you could carry, you just carry your speed, just like in the game. You you didn't have to touch the brakes. So you're in fourth. Okay. I just kind of let off a little bit and then just matted it and the car would accelerate. But even then in fourth, it was just between like 4,000, 5,000 RPM. So you're not even, the red line's like 7,500. So you're not even really like working the car that hard. It's still, you're not going to break the car, Amir. Amir. Yeah, it's still, it was still carrying, I was carrying quite a bit of speed. I mean, come down the downhill, the fastest I get across start finish, I did once, I hit like 95. And I was like, yeah, that's a little okay. fast for the brakes. Cause it, right. Um, so I would just, I kept, cause you had to wall down to like 60 for turn. Yeah. One, right? So I kept averaging down to like, it was like 90 across the start finish line, which is, that's pretty fast. Okay. Like for 150 yeah, that's, that's horsepower car. I was gonna say an old little four cylinder. That's uh, that's moving along pretty good. Um, Again, you're not there to win because you can't win. You could only lose. So I watched a couple of people lose. I watched a Z06 eat an engine uh, down the front straight, and then in my last session of the day, an M3 went off and hit the wall, and airbags went off. And like, oof. what corner was that in? Big bend. So come down the front. That's the last turn, right? Coming down the hill. No, uh, come down the front straight. That's you break in that first corner. That's big bend because it's a big bend. Oh, okay. And they just were going too you hot. Know how we, we've gone off it in Forza. You go off into the dirt. That's what they did. Yeah, you just go too hot. Yep. Yeah. It hurts way less in Forza. Yeah. But it was just funny. I, I was chasing some. I was like right on the back of this uh, C8 through the S's. And then I think they realized that I was like right up there. And they just like motored away. I'm like, all right, cool. 
And then I'd catch him again. Yeah. And you're like, all right, can I just go by you? Like, whatever. So instead of being the guy in the way of the Camaro, the Corvette was the guy in the way of you. Well, you sorted the car a little more. Yeah, I mean, I think to less passing zones is actually easier to manage because because you're not worried about your mirrors. As yeah, much. Thompson has S's, um, but maybe if they took away like one or two of those passing zones, because it is a big track, it's a bigger track, it's like three miles. Um, it would just make it. You just force someone so there's only one passing zone on the S side where there's like switchbacks instead of having each straightaway between each set of corners, a passing zone. That's like really complicated. And like the nice thing about not being able to pass on Lime Rock for the S's was like you're either forced to follow or you're forced to chase someone. So it's like and then I only had to do it once. I came into the pits. You give this like signal as you're coming in. Cause there's like the, the coach that's watching everybody from the SCCA and you, you kind of, you put your hands together like a clap and then you pull them apart and you just say, you want some space. And then th- there he's keeping track of like the track. He's like, cause obviously I'm a pretty slow car. He's like right away is give me like the go ahead sign. Like go, go, go. Cause you, you'll pop out on the track. And then I had like three or four laps of nobody near me. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you can separate yourself pretty easily. Yeah. So if you find that you're running up on someone or people are running up on you, yeah, that's the ideal thing to be able to do. But yep, that's super convenient. Um, I yeah, I just overall had a better time. I just wasn't. Uh, I don't know it's an extra anxiety yeah, I, last I time. I just on, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, based on the, uh, the the comments you made during the day, I could tell you were having a better it wasn't. time. Wasn't. So, and that's the other thing too. If you were not in the right mood it's probably not good to be on track anyways so right so i'll go back i'll try no, it again good. a little quicker car yeah i mean listen i know you're just uh you're doing nothing but encouraging others of us to go out and do this because i've never actually done a track day and i, I wish uh, you were there with like the eclipse because there'd be similar cars like and i just thinking like yeah if i had somebody that was friendly with here like um you could easily do like a chase follow with like a buddy and that would be super right. fun. Like that would just be like on a, it'd be like being on a toge or something. Like just I don't know. I generally put you into the wall whenever we play four. I, so I don't know if being on the same track at the same time is a good yeah, idea. Yeah, But you wouldn't <laughs> do that in real life, but just you could like, no, of course you'd be not. like, all right, for like three or four laps, you go first and then point me by and then we'll, you know, just switch off. And it would be, that would be really fun to just do with yep. someone. Cause there's no, That's a good way to learn there's not like a ton too. of good, driving roads here that you can actually go fast on. So without right. aggravating people. So, well, that's cool. How'd the new Yokohamas do? Yeah. So these are what replaced the S drives. Uh, interesting. So I've got S drives in the Galant from 2014 and probably after this, I was planning on replacing them next spring anyway. So probably after this track day, they'll definitely be dead. They were, I thought were really sticky at an HMS and I was happy with them considering how old they are. Although they only ever see summertime and live in a garage uh, the rest of the year. Um, so anyway, the Gallant, uh, the G20, has, uh, I was looking for 16-inch tires. I didn't want to put like 200 tread wearers on there. I was like, well, I'm going to go to the old standby S-Drives. Oh, they don't make them anymore. So they replaced them apparently in 19 with the Yoka Flevas. Flevas? Flevas? Felva? Felva? F-E-L-V-A, yeah. right? Felva? Felvas? V7 or one. I uh, 
it's nearly the same tread pattern. Supposedly the, the compound is more of an Advan specific compound. Um, I know Yoko. So more of a. Yeah, Yokohama's always been big on that silica compound. That's always like their buzzword and ads. Um, yep. They're good. Like, they got a little greasy if you got a little too aggressive, but, you know, for not a dedicated 200 treadwear track tire, I think they're really good. And they still have enough track, like enough tread on them that you can drive them in the rain, drive them on a back road. They're not loud. They're good. They're good all around. Zenuses are like loud because they're they're giant tread blocks and they stick. And and apparently I'd love to try the new Zenuses too, because it's track nights sponsored by them and they've been really pushing it. I've heard a lot of good things about the new Zenuses. Like they've really uh, changed them quite a bit and they've really come up. So um, yeah, it's interesting. Good tires. I would, I definitely recommend it for a um, sportyish car that you intend to do in occasional uh um like track driving with it so yeah it's not not like an autocross tire but a good no just they would daily drive autocross tire. would uh way overheat these like so fast because um right at least with a track you're not the turns are longer but they're not as sharp i guess and you have the straightaways to help cool the tire you have a long straight of not making the tire go sideways and that helps cool it. So definitely, definitely better. So yeah, that was a good time. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I did a cars and coffee this weekend, like normal, nothing spectacular, just a regular old four till four cars and coffee. Um, I mean, I guess it is kind of spectacular because like the cars that show up are ridiculous, but it was a good time. Um, and the other big event news that if you're going to JCCS and didn't check your email today, make sure you don't screw up and go to the wrong place and, you know, make arrangements for moving your location in hotels um, because they announced a relocation of JCCS this year. Um, I guess the town of Long Beach was saying that they were potentially going to cancel the event because they couldn't promise that far in the distance that they're not going to cancel the event. Um so rather than cancel the event ahead of time, the organization went ahead and just re found a new venue. So it's going to be in Anaheim at the, um, the Dodger stadium. So angel stadium, angel stadium, excuse me. Oh, so nice, so, nice, hot, hot parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, it's a little less, a little less awesome. I think than being at long beach on the ocean there in the grass fields, but, Hopefully, hopefully it won't, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be in right field. I don't know. Maybe it won't be in the parking lot. It'll definitely be in the parking lot, but I mean, Hey, it is what it is. It's better to have the event, I guess, than not, or it's maybe it's not, who knows? But anyway, so just if you're, uh, if you are going, keep an eye out for that email. just wanted to kind of put that out there. Cause I know if I didn't pay attention to it, didn't see it, I'd be quite annoyed if I went to my hotel and the thing was two towns away now instead of the hotel across the street from what I was expecting to go to. Mm-hmm. So, so that's coming up anyway. And if you're in Arizona, the weekend of October. Sorry, the cat came in. I think it's the first weekend of this podcast to be over. What's that? The, the cat came in. She's bugging me. Oh, all right. So the first week in October, the second and third, 
um, look up the Arizona JDM or poof. I, I really screwed this man. <laughs> um, the Williams route 66 JDM car. Show, uh, it's a long name uh, is yes. is going to be that weekend. Uh, get yourself pre-registered if you can. Um, there's already, I think over a hundred cars pre-registered all pre 95 Japanese stuff. So that's going to be a killer time. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. So that's the first week in October. Look that one up. I'll, uh, I posted it a couple of times, I think to our stories, and I'll post it a few more times just to make sure people remember it and go there. So that's it. All right, cool. So I was, as uh, all as always, follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Maurice and Anger. I'm also uh, Race and Anger on Twitter. Brad, where can they find you? They can find me on the Instagram at tsiss three five zero. Oh yeah, and I promise uh, I've got a bunch of YouTube videos in the queue. I just got to edit and throw them together. I'm trying to throw some more up there so we can have a little more action on that. So I'll uh, I'll post links to those when they're up on our Instagram. So keep stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, keep cars analog and name for the roses. <laughs>